and welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, where we explore God's Word, not simply to learn more about the Bible, but to consider how to apply its wisdom. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and each week I'm joined by talented women from our congregation. We invite you to imagine yourself sitting here with us, enjoying a great discussion as friends about God and how His Word helps us take our next steps to become the women God intends for us to be. Welcome back to the Ephesians podcast. I have been looking forward to this week, as I do every week, but uh, this one in particular, to look at chapter 5, because chapter 5 is so filled with practical information about what it looks like to live as someone who is walking worthy of the life that God has called us to. As we have reviewed over the past couple of weeks, chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians are filled with beautiful theology about what it means that we are saved by God's grace. And chapters 4 through 6 are much more practical in nature, focused on what it looks like to actually live in light of what God has done for us. So I am delighted that today we get to go deeper into chapter 5 and what some of this looks like with my sweet friend, Michaela Park. Welcome. Michaela. Thanks, Sabay. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here as well. Um, We're going to go into chapter five in just a second, but I wanted to recall something that we had seen last week in chapter four. Last week when Jan and I were talking through chapter four, we went through the structure that the very beginning of chapter four starts with some verses that kind of are an overarching framework for the whole rest of the chapter. In chapter four, Verses 1 through 3 say, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And Jan and I, as we talked through that chapter, tried to demonstrate how the rest of chapter 4 is really kind of an explanation of those first three verses about what it looks like to live a life worthy of our calling and in those different ways that Paul describes that. Now as we turn to chapter 5, the same thing can be seen here as well. The first couple of verses of chapter 5 also serve as an overarching framework for the rest of the chapter. So, Michaela, do you want to read verses 1 and 2 for us to get us going in this uh, beautiful framework? Sure, I'd love to. So this is the NIV translation. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Thank you. Yeah, I, it's helpful, I think, to, to keep in mind now as we talk through these two verses, but the whole rest of what we're going to talk about today, that it really is hanging on this, that we're looking at what it looks like to walk in the way of love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not just any love, but the love that Christ loved us with, yes. that Christ gave himself up for us yes. as a sacrifice to God. And, uh, and keeping that in mind, I think, will keep things in perspective yes. in a very helpful way. I, I so agree. And, and, I, and, and it's good, to, I think, to remember here that Paul is speaking to people who are already believers. Mm-hmm. And he is not shaming them or instilling fear, but instead reminding them as dearly loved children, mm. act as if you understand that you are already accepted and 
loved by your heavenly father. Mm-hmm. I and love that phrase, dearly loved yes. children. Not yes. just children. I mean, it's amazing enough that Paul reminds us that we are children of God. That in itself is incredible. Mm-hmm. But we're not just children. We're dearly loved yes. children. And I love that. And I think it's it's so beautiful that it follows, therefore, then walk in the way of love as as Christ loved us as his dearly loved children. Mm. And the example that he showed on the cross um, I think Jesus is uh, the way he lived life in his young 33, in this, the short 33 years that he le- lived on earth. He showed us what it means to live out the greatest commandment that he mm-hmm. told us is it should be the, um, um, the commandment that we should aspire to, and uh, which is to love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And he did this on the cross by allowing... Um, by obeying the Father and what he was called to do. Mm. And also in being called to do that, he took on the condemnation and the judgment that we deserved. Mm-hmm. And he he took, he took showed us um, that is the ultimate, ultimate example. And um, to walk in love as Christ did is... Um, I think um, think something that we could talk about a little bit more. Like, how do we walk in love? It's not just feeling lovely or feel or loving people around us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I, as I was studying these verses, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into what it meant to love in in this context. And uh, in each of the places, in these three three places where the word love or a variation of it is used in these first two verses, it's specifically referring to agape love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people who've been around Bible studies for a while have probably heard that term, that in the original Greek, there are different words that we use the same English word love yes. for all of them. Mm-hmm. But there are some Greek words for love that refer more to brotherly love. We call that phileo love. Mm-hmm. Or the romantic love is... Uh, more the eros kind of love, mm-hmm. but here this love agape love is a very, um, a very special kind yes. of love. It's mm-hmm. a much more sacrificial kind of love. Yes, I, I recently was reading a book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies. It's an excellent book on spiritual warfare, by Mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. But uh, he has a wonderful definition for this kind of agape love that I really liked. He says, agape love is a compassionate commitment to delight in the soul of another and to will that person's good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. And he likens that that to clearly that's how God loves us. Yes. God and Christ and what he did. He had obviously this compassionate commitment to our soul and wanting our good at an incredible cost to himself, the ultimate cost to himself. Yes, I, I, and it's and it says it right there at the end of verse two is he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, and being a sacrifice, we know is um, doesn't come easy. It comes um, to some cost, as you said, um, and it can include a giving and a dying to self mm. that uh, Jesus showed us so beautifully uh, on the cross. And I think that um, that when we're called to do the same, uh, to remember that it's not always easy to give and die to self. Mm. Um, but um, 
an example of that um, that I would love to to talk with you about. I know that we talked about this a little bit before. Um, it, the biblical example would be the Good Samaritan, mm. um, who, although despised as as uh, the as as being a Samaritan, he um, actually showed compassion for somebody who was not like himself, who mm-hmm. probably would have judged him if he wasn't in a compromised situation. But he went out of his way uh, to take care of uh, this person who ha- was left for dead, took care of him and paid money and um, and showed him love uh, as a neighbor, as Jesus said, and um, because he showed mercy on somebody. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so these verses are calling us yep. literally here to follow God's example. Now, not literally to, to, to give ourselves up on the cross as Jesus did, but there are countless ways that we can put the good of other people ahead of our own, give ourselves up for them, mm-hmm. loving them as we've been loved. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, it seems easy when, when Paul's saying all that he's calling us to do here is just to imitate Christ's example of love. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, we're, we're, glad that he's going to fortify what that means for the rest of the chapter. So why don't we mm-hmm. move on okay. into the rest of the chapter and look a little bit more about what this example of love looks like. Okay. You want to read verses three through six for us? Sure. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. Mm. Sorry, Sophia, I think I added verse 7. (laughs) <laughs> well, actually, I intended for you to add first seven, okay. so you were right on there. <laughs> so, you know, in the context of what we were just saying about if this is describing love and this agape love in particular, it might not be readily apparent. But if you think about it, things like sexual immorality or mm-hmm. impurity or greed, these kinds of things, they're inherently selfish, yes, not selfless, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you think about just about any form of sexuality that's outside of marriage, there is an aspect of selfishness to mm-hmm. it, yes. um, whether that's pornography or an affair or um, even premarital sex. There's, there's this aspect of I want what I want mm-hmm. without thinking about the other person. And is this what's ultimately the best good for another right. person, certainly greed is easy to see as selfishness, right. but uh, but even impurity also strikes much that same way, where we're not truly thinking about what is best for our soul. Mm-hmm. We might just be thinking about what we want, yes, um, in the moment. And God wants so much more for us than that. He does, and um, and I think Paul here is. I think it's interesting, actually, if you take a step back when he's talking about these kinds of sins. He could have listed other sins, but he specifically is targeting, you know, this this the greed and the lust, which probably be, probably was very prevalent in the Ephesian church, and also I would say very relevant to our modern culture. Mm. Um, but um, but for for Paul to mention this and then say, but instead give thanks, shows us that that this kind of the lust and the greed where we want to satisfy our own needs. Um, he's saying, you know, this is valuing something outside of God over God. 
and you're not really trusting that that what God has given to you or will provide will be enough. Instead, he's saying you're just seeking it out Mm -hmm. for yourself, what you think that you need and that what you want. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think in addition to that, with regards to the impurity and the sexual immorality um, that we that he witnessed probably back back then and also that we we see now on on TV and other medias is um, is that we're really cheapening these things that God values mm. and these include our bodies the idea of love and relationships and sex and marriage that when we take these and we make them idols mm. we really are lowering cheapening these things that God created to be valuable yes yes well said and I think some there's a little bit of an asterisk that I'd like to put on mm-hmm. on these verses. Not that I want to add to scripture or anything. <laughs> to be careful how I say that, mm-hmm. but I think there's a concern that reading through this at first glance, one could read this and suddenly feel afraid if you identify in yourself that you know sometimes we do slip into immorality. Sometimes yes. we do act with greedy intent. Does that mean that I cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Yeah. There there could be a fear at a surface level reading of this that could make someone fear that maybe I've disqualified myself mm-hmm. by these sinful actions. And that's where keeping all of scripture put together and held together is so important. Yes. Uh, because we've already seen in the beginning of Ephesians that we don't earn our salvation because we have complete mastery mm-hmm. over our sinful life, that we're a good enough person and that we're saved because we're good enough. We've already seen that we're saved because God chose to save us yes. and he extended that to us out of his grace. So mm-hmm. we need to hang on to that. Mm-hmm. So these verses can't mean that just if we slip into these acts of immorality or impurity or greed or mm-hmm. or any other sin for that matter, that we have removed ourselves from salvation. Yes. I agree. And I would even add to that, you know, when, when there's sacrifice, there is pain and there is some sort of their love some, to some degree, a, a, you know, dying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that, that Paul of, of, of anyone in the Bible would be able to speak to that. I mean, he's, you know, I feel like he's, He's lived a very good uh, Christ follower's life, but he describes in Romans himself describes the conflict of knowing what he should do, but struggling mm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we can find some um, some solace knowing mm. that that and a you know that that a follower of Jesus who wrote most of the New Testament um, said, "I want to do what is good, but I don't, and I want to do what is, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway." Yeah. And this is a struggle that we that we face, but we but Jesus doesn't count that against us yeah. to be a part of His family and to be accepted. Um, he's already mm. done that work, and we just strive to do. Uh, to obey out of love. And with thanksgiving, yes. <laughs> we say thank you for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I, it, this uh, this passage is a good opportunity for us to take a little bit of a heart check in that. And if we are the kind of person that slips into some of these sins and we feel remorse for that, mm-hmm. we can take that as assurance of the reality of the spirit in our lives. Yeah. That we don't want to be these kinds of people. We want to be people who are 
are such beautiful imitators of our Savior God, um, which is different than the person that maybe is in a life of immorality, and they're proud of it. Yes. (laughs) Because there are those Mm -hmm. that are not walking with God that Mm -hmm. we see that in, that they almost flaunt their immorality Mm -hmm. in a prideful way. Um, but uh, but for those of us that still, and those of us being all of us, that still slip yeah. into sin from time to time, um, that doesn't mean that we are not ever going to make it to the kingdom of God, but yes. that we, we repent of that mm-hmm. and we seek to continue, as, as Paul said earlier, as dearly loved children, mm-hmm. to, uh, to continue on in ways that honor God. Mm-hmm. Let's keep looking uh, now. I'm going to read verses 8 through 14 for us. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything is exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I love this. Walking as children of light. Actually, this is another way that Paula has said we are identified as as God's people is children of light in addition to being the beloved children. Mm. And he's also mentioned God's holy people. Mm-hmm. And he's, um, I feel like those uh, terms are reminding us of who we are to identify as God's people and not to identify with those that are choosing to willingly disobey and turn mm. away. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You can really see the progression of this section of verses from what he was speaking of. Uh, prior to that, mm-hmm. and and that call to to look into yourself: Are you in the light? Are you yeah. walking in the light, yeah. or are you hiding from the light? Yes. Are Are you more comfortable in your sin in the darkness and shying away from that? Yeah. And uh, and this speaks so much to the importance of community, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Community and grace and walking in love. Um, you know, Jesus said he is the light of the world and the Bible, um, in the Bible, the light is a symbol of God, his holiness, his glory, wisdom, you know, that the Israelites followed the light during, um, mm. um, during the day as they wandered, wandered the desert. Um, and Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. And Matthew, he says to us, you are the light of the world. Mm. And so being that light is, um, you know, when, when I thought about this is, is, is we, by what we do and what we say, we can draw people to what is good, the fruits of that light, which here it says is all that is good, right, and true. And ultimately the source of that light, um, is God and that we bring light to not what is good, true, and right, but to bring to, to highlight and make God look good, Mm -hmm. um, because of, of who we are. Um, well, and again, uh-huh. if we keep the context of those first two verses in mind here, where we're called to love other people mm-hmm. the way that Christ has loved us, and if that sense of love is to love them with the good of their soul, wanting out of our sense of compassion what's mm-hmm. best for them, mm-hmm. then that helps when we look at a verse like in verse 11, when we're told to expose yes. the deeds of darkness. We're yes. not exposing that in a judgmental way, yes. in a harsh way. Remember, chapter 4 told us to be judged 
gentle and patient with people. Yes. And now if we're doing it out of this heart of love, we're doing it because we want what's best for our Christian brothers and sisters. We don't want them yeah. trapped yes. in sin and in darkness. That's not in their best interest. I love that, Savea, because I think what as I was reading this part, I thought, well, you know, we have to confront people with sin, you know, in, who are in, who are committing sin, who are in living in sin. And I think, um, it's, that would, that's hard for me to think mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I thought, uh, the analogy of being a light, a candlelight versus a floodlight, <laughs> you know, you want to draw people to you. A floodlight can make people close their eyes and turn away. Um, but the Bible reminds us over and over, you know, uh, Explain to people what your hope is, but be gentle and respectful. Mm. If you see that your friend is caught in any sin, restore that person with the spirit of gentleness, Mm. not with the sense of being superior or Mm self-righteous, because we are all fallen short, and there's not one of us who's actually better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should never hate someone else's sin more than we hate our own. Mm And uh, yeah, I I like your analogy of the floodlight versus a candle, one being a a light that we might kind of recoil from a little bit, but, uh, but a, you know, candlelight or a gentle warm light is, is, is just as effective to, to stamp out darkness. Light has that amazing way of, of making darkness automatically disappear. Yes. Yes. I, I was recently reading uh, Life Together, which is uh-huh. Bonhoeffer's great book on the importance of community. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the danger that it is for Christians to become isolated. And and we've certainly seen the effects of that over the last couple of years of many people have not been able to participate in person in groups and in community in the same way that they had prior to the pandemic. And, uh, and I think one of the results that we're dealing with these days is people who have gotten more trapped in sinful addictions, mm-hmm. um, whether literal addictions or, or just habitual addictions of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Bonhoeffer has this great quote about this. It says, sin demands to have a man by himself. It would withdraws him from community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive the power of sin over him. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. Mm. And and to me, as I read that and I was then studying this passage, it just shows the need that we do need to live in community with each yes. other. We do need to be able to count on our Christian brothers and sisters to be that light for yes. us. Right. Um, and, and the more that we can count on them to love us with this well-intentioned sacrificial love Mm -hmm. that when they are correcting us in our sin, they're doing it out of this heart because they want what's best for us. I love that. And, And the last thing we need is a friend running to us with the floodlight. (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, we want we want people running to the messes with a candlelight, with the light of hope and love and, and gentleness and yeah. respect and to to link arms and and uh, walk together to become, you know, the people that God created us to be. Sure. I mean, there may be a case where sometimes a floodlight is necessary, <laughs> but uh, but that's probably not the first thing we need to grab. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at this final section here. Do you want to read verses uh, 15 through 20? Sure. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There's beautiful stuff there. There's all like kinds that. of verses we could hang on as mm-hmm. the positive things to look for. We've we've already explored quite a bit in this chapter about the negative side of things and what yeah. we need to be cautious about. But um, some beautiful things here, too, about speaking with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit and music in our heart for the Lord. It's yes. just, it's lovely. But I want to first hone in a little bit about what he says in the beginning um, about making the most of every opportunity and mm-hmm. not being foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michaela, I think it's kind of funny. I think on this the podcast series over the years now, <laughs> you and I have talked about the Lord's will on a number of our episodes. Must yeah. be something that uh, you and I are are particularly suited to discuss together. Oh, God's telling us something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that that has been fun to explore. Yeah, together. You know, you. and as we've studied it in the past. And as we come back to this again, mm-hmm. I think, again, this is a great reminder that uh, that what Paul is talking about here with the Lord's will is not necessarily things like who we're going to marry or where yeah. we're going to live or what job we should take or, you know, whether or not we got a certain parking spot in the parking yes. lot on mm-hmm. a day, mm-hmm. uh, but that it's it's the context of what he's been talking about in this whole chapter or even the whole letter mm-hmm. for that that mind um, God is undoubtedly sovereign over all of the little things in our life. And I think there are times when he does care about those little things, but he cares so much more about our character yes. and about how we're living. And he's calling us to live as his dearly loved children mm-hmm. in, in the way that we are acting towards each other. So are we walking in that manner that's worthy yeah. of our calling? Are we yes. being gentle? Are we being patient? Are we being people of unity yes. and peace? Um, in this chapter, are we living lives that reflect Christ's love mm-hmm. um, and in our pursuit of holiness. That's what God's will is for us. I love that. I love that. Thank you. That was a great summary of what we've come back to over and over, over, and over <laughs> again. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I can add any more to that, but I, I love it. Well, I think moving on with the rest of these verses, being reminded not to get drunk on wine. And mm-hmm. and I think in the context here of this passage, it's this idea of don't lose control of your spirit yes. to artificial things that are not in your best interest. Mm-hmm. But instead, be so filled with the spirit that we're overflowing with spiritual songs, with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things that come out of your mouth when your inhibitions are down should yes. be pure. Yes. Not the kinds of things that alcohol might <laughs> might bring out, but the kinds right. of things that the spirit would bring out. Mm-hmm. And in that, we're, we're adding beauty to our, our Christian community. I love that. And, and specifically is singing songs, giving thanks, and submitting to others in love. And that is, is what we should be, we should allow the spirit that fills us up, that that's how, how it's manifested. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you used the S word there, <laughs> submitting to each other. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting here as we close out this section that in certain translations, there's verse 21 about submitting to each other mm-hmm. out of reverence for the Lord. Is It completely fits within the context of what we've been discussing so far, that it's a, an, a way that we show love 
for mm-hmm. our Christian brothers and sisters to submit to them, to look not just to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Yes. It's also worth noting that other translations will put this verse in the next section yes. where Paul is going to transfer or begin transition to talking about husbands and wives and other household relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's good to remember that when Paul originally wrote this letter, there were no chapter or verse divisions. Mm-hmm. All of those are decided by people generations later. Mm-hmm. And uh, modern day translators don't agree on this verse. So um, for all of you listening, you may notice that some of you have certain translations that include verse 21 in this section and yeah. others are waiting to talk about it next week. Yeah. And uh, next week as Heather and I speak about the rest of chapter five, we'll address that a little more fully. But certainly, I think it is worth mentioning here that the concept of us submitting to each other mm-hmm. is very much an act of agape love, isn't it? It is. And I think it's a really great conclusion to what we, you know, to how the chapter started off, to mm-hmm. walk in love as Christ did um, in sacrificing himself for us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I love that. And I think um, and I think it's it would be really great to remember that that this chapter which talks about right behavior right thought that it's not saying that this is what's going to make us right before god because god has already deemed us his his inheritance his trophies of grace Mm -hmm. he is the god that 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 changed the course of our destiny because of his love for us and um that we can love out of the love that we have already first received from him. Mm. And um, I just want to share with you a thought that, that I had um, that this, this idea of living the Christian life being right and right or wrong. Some people may think that it's restrictive when in fact, um, when you dig deeper in Christ as believers, we have more freedom and security than anything else that this world offers Mm. because we no longer live under the requirements of the law, but we have freedom under God's grace. Mm. That's beautiful, Michaela. I think let's end it there. Let me just uh, pray for us to close this out. Okay. Dear heavenly father, thank you for your love. Thank you for saving us out of your grace. Thank you for extending us the faith that we need to believe and accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for giving us this model of how we should live in light of what you've done for us. Thank you for these chapters that describe more fully what it looks like to be imitators of Christ. Uh, We just thank you that you've poured your love into us and ask that your spirit would continue to fill us with your love so that we can be people who increasingly extend that love to everyone around us. And that as people see the love that we have for our community, for our world, that they would be people that they would see you in that. Uh, We do love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, a production of Autumn Ridge Church. We appreciate the technical assistance provided by Josiah Novinger, Ian Benoit, Robert Nash, and others from our wonderful staff. We'd love to hear your comments or questions on this or any other episode, and you could reach us at women at autumnridgechurch.org.